Hi, this is David McNeil at DaddyOCast.com. Today I'm going to speak a little bit about, well, what I call the primitive church, uh, the kind of um, church that meets in houses, but not necessarily. It's the informal, unstructured church meeting that most, that I think, most closely conforms to the model given in the New Testament. A couple of weeks ago, uh, a Christian brother of mine asked me how our house church functioned. I appreciated his interest, but I wasn't at the time prepared to describe our meetings, and I felt later uh, provoked to write a one-page summary of what our meetings are like and why they are that way, based on Bible references. So today I'm going to read uh, that monograph and I think, uh, along with my wife and other members of our little body, that it's a faithful, re a faithful report. I refer to our, our house church as an example of the primitive church, the primitive church, because it so closely resembles the kind of arrangement that could have hosted the activities mentioned in the New Testament, and that it has no or little developed formalities, which would clearly contrast it with uh, the first century church, the primitive, primitive church, such as choirs and bulletins. So here is my paper entitled, The Primitive Church Meeting. Jesus began speaking of the church in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19, founding his church upon the faith first manifest in Peter, promising it the keys of the kingdom, the power to loose and to bind, the authority to forgive or convict of sin. Jesus expanded on this authority in Matthew 18. The church, as a body of disciples, receiving a believer as a forgiven brother or putting him out of the body as an unrepentant sinner. That's verses 16 and 17 in Matthew 18. To this, Jesus adds the strongest of impartations, the authority of the church to ask and receive of the Father anything upon which they agree. And when they are gathered together in his name, he is present with them, guiding them in these kinds of decisions. In John 14, 17, Jesus promises the power of God in the church age, namely the Holy Spirit, present with the disciples in the person of Jesus, but present within the disciples as the third person of the Godhead sent to the church at Pentecost. Here's the quote from Acts 2, 32 and 33. This Jesus hath God raised up, and being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, and here this means miraculous performance of the Pentecostal church, which ye now see and hear. So when he says he has shed forth, this is Peter preaching, he hath shed forth this. He's talking about the miraculous uh, speaking in tongues and praising God, which the people were looking at and listening to. That wonderful exhibition of glorifying God in foreign tongues was earlier referred to by Peter as prophecy in verses 16 to 18. The speaking out of the wonderful works of God, you see in verse 11, the speaking out of the wonderful works of God, this prophecy. 
the church has been given the Holy Spirit to move to move it to perform and speak the will of God. Let me say that again. The church has been given the Holy Spirit to move it to perform and speak the will of God. In 1 Corinthians 14:26 and following, Paul, the great planter and teacher of the early church, Gentile and Jewish, described how the Holy Spirit would manifest himself in the church and was careful to describe this manifestation as it appeared in church meetings. And this is the closest thing we have to a picture of what uh, the early or primitive church was. Here's the quote from uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a teaching, hath a revelation, hath a tongue, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Then there's a gap. You may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Paul seems to be talking here of prophecy in a general sense, encompassing various proclamations of God's words, as he explains in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, healings, and miracles which require proclamations among believers. They have to be there. Without delineating the exact operation of each of these gifts, and we're not going to do it here, the important point that Paul makes is that they are distributed among all the members of the body, but they are directed by one Lord. That's chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. In a church meeting, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is present and functions by the activities of all the members guided by the Spirit of the Lord. That's uh, chapter 12, verse 11, and also in John 16, verse 13. There is no confusion here as, as Jesus is present and guiding for, quote, God is the author of peace. 1 Corinthians 12, 33. God is the author and he is the director. In a church meeting, following this picture of a simple reliance on the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ functions to glorify God and to encourage and strengthen its members. As the members move in faith and love, the meeting proceeds decently and with, with order. There is prayer, song, individual and general praise of and thanks to God, teaching from the Bible, proclamations of God's thoughts towards and desires for this body, or his thoughts and desires for one of its members, confession of faults and concerns, followed by intercession, the relating of blessings, including reports of fulfilled prayers, there is no prescribed schedule here, since by faith the members wait upon God. That is, they wait with expectation for His urging, and they move in response. Someone will pray, another will begin a well-known song, another will announce the goodness and virtues of God, and others will voice their agreement. There's always a move toward acclamation or unity, and so there is a tendency to sing along and to add amens and other expressions of, of assent. 
and to also offer expansions of certain words and ideas, you know, to explain or to add thoughts that come from the Spirit on certain things that people have said, such that there is a flow of worship, teaching, and confession like a symphony. Now a solo, now an echoing voice, now a duet, and now a general call of mixed but harmonious voices. It is a wonderful noise conducted by the Holy Ghost. Each meeting is unique, but in every meeting, the body meets the Lord, and we are healed, and He is magnified. Amen.